0: need some videos you guys got to help us out help me out it can be an individual a family or a group anybody if this is your first time visiting with us we hope you remember to pick up a welcome packet either from the connection site or from the welcome and information desk and for everyone we'd like you to put your name on a friendship card so we know you were here if you would like to get our newsletter or need to update any information Be sure and fill out your address. On the back, you can do prayer concerns, blessings, or notes to the staff. Remember to write video there. Thanks a lot for coming to worship here at Pendleton Center Church
1: at Pendleton Center this morning. Um, The clipboards that are going around are about donations for Vacation Bible School. It's coming up real, real quick, and we need your help. Um, We need all kinds of things, and we also could use, um, I think, a few more volunteers to help out, too. Adrienne is back there nodding her head very, very, very hard. Um, And whether you want to help with kids or you just want to help on a more adult end of it, uh, we do need your help. It's one of the biggest outreaches that this church does all year long. Um, We will be having a prayer meeting um, tomorrow at 6.30 in the prayer theater over there, it's a time of intercession to pray for our church, to pray for our community, and to pray for each other. Everyone is welcome to come to that prayer, um, prayer meeting. Um, I lead it, so, um, you know, come on over. And our summer Bible study started up a couple of weeks ago. They meet on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. We're studying the book of Ezra, and you get a different pastor every single week. It's a surprise every week, and so come on out and see who's teaching and what's what the book of Ezra has to say to us. And I'd like to emphasize something Julie said. I'm, I'm the pastor of the day, and um, we need to get Pastor Tom's attendance book appropriately and completely filled out. Please put, even if it's just your name, put your name on your friendship card and drop it in the offering for me so that we can get that all taken care of for Pastor Tom. God bless you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day, for the opportunity to gather and worship you. We ask that your spirit come and be among us, fill us with your presence, lead us and guide us in our worship so that all of our worship would be a blessing to you. That's why we came, Lord, to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand as you're able and sing with us our opening hymn. with you? Will you greet one another with the peace of the Spirit of Christ? Come, wonderful, wonderful. Hi, come on up, hurry up, come on. Here they come, wow, they're coming from everywhere. Good morning, how are you today? Everybody good, everybody up? It's going to be a nice day today, isn't it? Tell me something. You're all pretty big. When you were really, really little, did you do things that you don't do anymore? What kinds of things do you do now that you don't do anymore? What can you think of? Hmm? Yeah. Do you like, when you were a little baby, did you ever drink from a bottle? You did, didn't you? Yeah. But you don't do that anymore, do you? Yeah, no, that's just silly. You might, you suck your thumb when you're a baby, but you don't do that anymore, do you? No, maybe once in a while, right? Maybe once in a while, but not a whole lot. When we get older, we stop doing some of the things we did when we were little babies because we're, what are we doing? What's happening to us? We're getting bigger, we're growing up, aren't we? And there are some things that you do right now that when you get to be like like 12, you're not going to do anymore. When you're all the way at like 12, how about when, or when you're like 16? You're going to do things that you don't do now, and you're going to not do a lot of things that you are doing now. Even our Bible stories kind of change for us. What's your favorite Bible story? Does anybody have a favorite Bible story? What, like Noah or Daniel in the lion's den or something like that. Which one? like Daniel in the lion's den yeah that's really neat when you're a little person like you are right now you learn some things about Daniel right you learn that Daniel loved God and that Daniel wouldn't do the things that the king wanted him to do and because of that the king threw him in the lion's den but he got saved right who saved him do you know who saved him Who would save him out of a lion's den? I think God saved him, right? Yeah. When you get to be older, you're going to learn way more things about that story than you know right now. It's important for us to know that when we grow up, we leave aside some of the things from being little, and we do new things that make us more grown up. What do you have to be thankful for today? Who wants to share? There we go. Family, Family. 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 Anybody else have something to be thankful for? Not today. I know you're all thankful in your hearts, right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for saving Daniel out of the lion's den. We pray in Jesus' name that you would save us all the time, whenever we need it. We pray that you will bless us and bless our families, our moms and dads and our brothers and sisters and all the people that you've given us to love. We pray that you would help us to love them the way you love them. Be with us and bless us as we go off to church school now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can head off to church school that would be wonderful? And while the children are heading off to church school, I want to um, just remind everyone how important it is to continue on. The kids are going off to church school. They're going to be learning all about Jesus, all about the love of God in their hearts. And that doesn't stop when we become adults. We have some very, very special Bible programs, um, study programs that we do in this church. One of them is huge. It's the Disciple Bible Study Program. And I say it's huge because it's put out by the United Methodist Church, and it goes from September, usually from September to June. You can think of it as being covering the whole school year, pretty much. So it's a big commitment. But there are people in this church who have done Disciple Bible Study and have completed Disciple Bible Study, and I want to just make mention of those folks today for us. Um, Disciple Bible Study 1, which was taught by our CLM Julaine Beck, um, Karen Long, Melissa Rada, and Joan Kirkland completed that this year. And Disciple 2 was taught by Linda Barzikowski. And we want to celebrate Carol Dombrowski and Ellie Drake, Holly Britton, Lisa Senker, Joanne Hanischewski, Barb Haberfield, Linda Weatherall, What a wonderful group of folks who have have dedicated themselves all last year to being studying the Bible. It's a wonderful thing. And if you've ever, there are a number of people who've participated in disciple Bible studies over the years. If you are here and you've ever participated, ever, not this year, but if you've ever participated in a disciple Bible study, would you stand for a moment just so we can see where you are and how many of you there are? Awesome. 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 A church full of Bible-believing people who want to continue studying the Bible. Um, that's just such a blessing. And now, Kathleen Maud, where are you? She's going to come forward, and she's going to um, give us our mission moment and continue on in prayer.
2: Good morning. In my hands, I have a trusted letter from the bishop. <laughs> and he's asking us, for a special donation today. It's the Upper New York Flood Relief. And as you know, uh, New York has been plagued with some bad weather uh, this past year. And it says here that residents of 300 homes have had to evacuate. And these are just our Methodist people. Um, It's not accounting for other folks. And the um, team, the disaster team, has already offered 185 hours of work on the ground and they're going to be doing more this weekend. So you know how it would be if you lost your home. Uh, it's, it's something I don't even want to think about. So if it's in your heart, um, we could use a few dollars extra today. And I just wanted to share something. This week I was driving through the country and I saw this sign that said, Nothing in life is free. Someone had to make it and someone had to pay for it. And it immediately came to me that um, Christ died for our sins and paid for our sins. So we need to keep that in mind as we take up our offerings. Heavenly Father, please accept these offerings from us. Know that they are given with love. They are given to help those in need, to help those who do not know about you, and that they may find you and find peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding. In your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Time for our joys and concerns, and we have a little list here. It says Lori Gonduk is doing better, and I see she's in worship, so she must be doing better. That's, that's not a story. Um, one of our youth was injured on the mission trip. Karen Krasinski, her broken wrist is healing, and she's got that, that hot orange or purple wrap on there. Joe Ventura has pneumonia, and he is recovering at home. Jane Smith and Sandy Hoke, they're grieving the loss of loved ones. So let's take these concerns and our joys before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we found our way to you this morning. Through the sunshine, the warm summer weather. You provide all this for us. We are so fortunate to be able to come and worship you without fear of retribution from government, from relatives, from friends. You are so good to us. You take care of our needs. You take care of them before we even know we need them. You lead us on the paths that we are to follow during our time on this earth. Sometimes we balk, but it is your will that we need to follow. We ask you to especially bless those who are suffering with illnesses, loss of family and friends. But we also come to you with the joys that are in our hearts. Joys that we sometimes take for granted. Joys like a, a dry home to live in. Many do not have that at this time. Lord, we ask for prayers for our congregation, for it is the congregation that makes the church run. Let us each pray for each other's, keep each other's in our hearts and live our lives so that others know who we are and that we represent you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Scripture reading.
3: Good morning. This morning's scripture is taken from the Gospel of John. It's the 17th chapter, verses 6 through 19. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost, except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while, while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. and this is the word of the Lord.
4: We often talk about Aldersgate Street or the Aldersgate experience as John Wesley's conversion experience. It represents a watershed moment in his spiritual journey. Somebody who has some sense of who God is and what God means and what God's about in their head but doesn't feel it or the spirit stirs in him in a way that a dynamic connection is made between what he believes about God in his head and now what he feels and experiences about God in his heart, in his emotions.
5: I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death.
4: It was the sense that God loved him, even him, that was life-changing.
6: In early 1738, John Wesley was at a low point, having just returned from his disappointing missionary efforts at the colony of Georgia in the New World. Wesley reluctantly attended a group meeting on the evening of May 24th on Aldersgate Street in London. As he heard a reading from Luther's preface to the Epistle to the Romans, he felt his heart strangely warmed.
4: He writes in his journal, I felt that God loved me. I experienced that God loved me. It was no longer something that was in my head, but it's something that I felt in my heart.
6: Wesley was the son of a preacher and grew up in a devoutly religious home. But the dynamic connection to God made at Aldersgate was new to him.
5: I think he came to his adulthood with one particular concept of how the religious life should work for him. And I think that's what he had to relearn. He had initially planned to live life in a certain way and that was going to make a great relationship with God. And what Aldersgate taught him was he had to flip it. He'd gotten, unintentionally, the cart before the horse.
6: This reawakening of faith may happen many times in a person's journey. United Methodists set aside a day each year to celebrate the love of God in their own lives.
4: Aldersgate Sunday is a chance for us to do a little bit of spiritual inventory on our own. How am I experiencing God's love in my life?
1: that the United Methodist Church has a general commission on archives and history. I know, I know, it's crazy. This was just a quick recap of where we've been so far in our sermon series on John Wesley's Methodist movement and today's United Methodist Church. We've discovered that God is always reaching out toward us, trying to get people's attention so they will come to have faith in God through Jesus Christ. Once we realize we need God and receive that gift of faith, we know in our hearts that God has forgiven us and taken our sins away. Wesley gave names to these ways God's grace works in our world. He called them prevenient grace. That's God reaching out to us and justifying grace. God giving us the assurance that he loves us and that we are saved from sin and death. But God's relationship with us doesn't end there. I remember all the people and events in my life that I can point to now and say, that was God's provenient grace in my life. Times when friends took me to church events in hope that I would have a good time that was different from what I thought was a good time. My grandmother, who assured me over and over again that even when I felt so lonely that I cried, God loved me and wanted to be with me. And there was a neighbor who encouraged me to read the Bible and learn about who God was. I remember the day that I knew Without a shadow of a doubt, in the deepest part of my heart, that God had saved me from my sins, that God loved me with a love that no human being could ever match, and that God wanted me to reach out to other people and share his love. Now I call it justifying grace, but at the time, I couldn't even talk about it. For days and days, I didn't have the words. I just knew something inside me had changed, and it changed a lot. But God didn't leave me there. If I had stayed where I was at that stage of my faith, I would never have been able to tell other people about how to get close to God, even my own kids, let alone strangers. I needed to move on with God and grow in my faith. I needed God's sanctifying grace working in my life to help me be the kind of people, one of the people that Jesus prayed his disciples would be. We heard in the scripture, as Chet read it this morning, that Jesus wants us to be people who are in the world, but not of the world. Because they have been drawn to God, forgiven, set free from sin, and been sanctified like Jesus was sanctified. Where are you in your faith journey? Let's find out. We're going to have another one of those anonymous polls. If you have a little slip of paper, you can put your vote on there and they'll be collected. If you don't have a slip of paper, you can just tear something off your bulletin. Or if you've got one of those phones that I don't have, you can can go to poll.pendletonchurch.org and you can send your vote there. Adrian knows how to do that. Which of these descriptions do you think fits best where you're at right now as you think about and answer this question? Ready? As an adult Christian in the 21st century, What do you think about growing stronger and deeper in your faith? Now, are you more at A, everything I need to know about God, the Bible, and church, I learned as a child in Sunday school. So now I come to worship once in a while, put something in the offering, and have a cup of coffee with folks in the fellowship hall. Or B, maybe this is where you're at, B, as long as I'm coming to church on Sunday or during the week for a Bible study, supporting it financially and participating in some outreach activities like Fish Fries, BBS, or Operation Christmas Child, I'm good with that. Maybe you're at the sea. Because I face new and different challenges throughout my life, I need to continue growing stronger and deeper in my faith. So I consistently take advantage of opportunities in the church that are offered in worship and giving, study, service, and Christian friendships that God has promised will help to keep me growing. Or perhaps you are at D. I'll never be as spiritual as the pastor or the other church leaders. And if I'm not going to be a leader, I don't need to grow more. My faith is fine as it is. Cast your vote. And you know what? If you're older, like if you've been through confirmation or you're going into confirmation right now, um, you can vote too. People who are confirmed are considered adult members of the church, right? All righty. Well, the change that happened to me in the moment when I knew I had been born again was not enough to keep me strong in my faith up until now. That was 35 years ago that I came to Christ as an adult. I was like a little child in the Lord, even though I was 21 years old. I knew about God and Jesus, church, sacraments and praying. I had grown up in the church. But I didn't understand how that stuff that I had learned fit with this new thing, this new Justification that had happened to me. I went back to the things I had known as a child. And I found my little prayer book. Yep, there it is. And my old Bible. And I tried to remember what I had known as a child. But I discovered that it didn't fit anymore. I don't know. How do you guys feel? Does this fit? Are, are, you, are you happy at this little table and learning? I mean, I know I'm having a little trouble with the seat. It's a little snug. A little snug. Yeah. Are you learning anything, in, you know, here with, with Are you learning anything new? Yeah? Okay, well. My newly, I, I discovered, you know, like kind of like my friends here, that um, my newly justified self as an adult with a much more complicated life required something new to go with it. The understanding and the experience I had with God as a child wasn't helping me at 21 years old. When I was 21, I, I would have fit in this chair better too, but still not good enough. I needed to move on to a way of living that would get me ready to be sent out into the world where Jesus sends all his disciples. I needed to be sanctified. Are you all ready to get out of little kid Bible school and get sanctified? Okay, let's go. Let's go. Sanctification is a process that continues on throughout our Christian lives here on earth. It's the Holy Spirit continuing to transform us into the people God intends for us to be. As we cooperate with God in this process, we become more and more able to live the way Jesus lived and do the things Jesus did, which is what we want, right? Oh. Okay. We just can't quite seem to be perfect like Jesus in our everyday lives, though, can we? That's a tough part. John Wesley believed that with the power of God's sanctifying grace, Christians could become perfect. I know. But he wasn't meaning the kind of perfect that we think of as perfect. Wesley knew that Christians make mistakes and have weaknesses. But he also knew that Christians can choose to cooperate with God's sanctifying grace. Practices like worship, prayer and fasting, Bible study, and having friendships with other Christians who are really serious about their faith will strengthen our own faith so we can show that faith to others. John's mother, Susanna, knew an awful lot about raising Christians in the Anglican church where John grew up. She knew that it wasn't just children who needed to grow in their faith.
4: Susanna Wesley is the mother of one of church history's greatest dynamic duos. Uh, John and Charles are their mother's sons. She is the person who was responsible for their education and spiritual formation.
6: United Methodist historians say the fathers of the Methodist movement owe much of their success to their mother and the foundation built in their childhood home.
4: She had a spreadsheet before there were spreadsheets. She had an incredible organizational schedule for their dressing and changing clothes.
6: Born in 1669, Susanna Wesley was the youngest of 25. At age 19, she married Church of England pastor Samuel Wesley and bore 19 children. Managing a home took great planning, but she made time to nurture each child.
5: She would mark out at least an hour. And so it might well be that Tuesday at 3 was a time that was exclusively devoted to John, let's say. Uh, Now, it wasn't mean she ignored him the rest of the week, but it meant that was their time to sit down and be together. And she did that with all of her children.
6: Susanna led by example. Her life and faith journey shaped Methodism in ways we see today.
4: We see in her and in her sons this tension between Puritan evangelicalism and um, Church of England, prayer book, order, spirituality, and sacramentalism. And I think we Methodists are best when we are both and and not either or.
6: Long before women were ordained, Susanna would sometimes gather friends around the kitchen table and lead prayers while her preacher husband was away. She kept the parish going in his absence.
5: That was actually pretty radical. Uh, Now today, a family devotion with friends, we wouldn't think anything about it. In the early 18th century, and her argument was, there was no one else to read, it needed to be done for the good of the people, I'll do it.
6: Susanna also planted the unconventional idea of letting lay people serve as local preachers.
5: When John started traveling the circuit and preaching, he was late. And he shows up, and a gentleman that he knew, a layman, was filling in for him. Well, he was aghast. A layman, kind of almost preaching. Well, you know who told him to take another look? His mother. And he listened, and he realized, this guy's doing a good thing. That changed the character of our Methodist revival.
4: Susanna Wesley is a major difference maker. And the differences that she made have lived on from the history of the 17th and 18th century well into the present moment because of the sons that she raised.
1: I hope you noticed that Susanna Wesley didn't just nurture her own 19 children, but was involved in her community using the gifts God had given her. She didn't stop nurturing John when he became an adult either. Because of her work with adults in her community, John witnessed an example of God's grace moving in people in ways that changed the church for the better. John was inspired, and he inspired others who want to be perfect in their love for God and other people. And to want to desire to have sin taken out of their lives. He believed there's a desire for sin that resides in each and every one, and we have to want that desire to go away from us. This is what separates Christians from the evil of the world. It's what sets us apart. It makes us holy, like Jesus is holy. But it's a process that won't be complete until we see Jesus face to face. So we must keep growing, keep going, keep participating in the things that connect us to God and nurture all of our relationships. I'm sure you all know that I didn't start out in my adult Christian life as a pastor. God used the abilities I had right where I was. When I was 21, there was need to serve in the church nursery. I had babysitting experience. So I helped out in the nursery once a month. My first day there, I was feeding the pastor's new baby daughter. My baptism into that ministry was when Leah spit up all over my dress. I had planned to go to worship immediately after my um, shift in the nursery, but yeah. My experience as teaching dance became a huge liturgical dance ministry in that church that went on for many years. I worked with people from five years old through adults. We worshipped God in dance at every service during special events and Christian theatrical productions that the church put on. God still uses my dance studio in North Buffalo to support Christian families in their faith and to introduce non-Christians to our faith through an art form that they enjoy. All the while, I've been practicing prayer and fasting, worship, and more and more advanced Bible study to keep moving with God onto the next thing that God has for me. I can't tell you in one sermon the number of ways God has worked through my growing Christian faith to impact people for the gospel. It was happening long before I ever became a pastor. I didn't even begin going back to school to prepare for this time in my life until I was in my 40s. And I didn't officially become a pastor until I was 50. It's been a really slow process, this process of sanctification. But it's my whole life. As I live in the world, but not of the world. Am I perfect in love the way Wesley sees it? Maybe. Maybe not. But because of God's grace, I expect to continue becoming perfect. It's my deepest desire to love God and all God's creation as God loves In my heart, I hate my sin. I want to be completely rid of it forever. I want to know the word of God more because Jesus said the word of God is truth and that his disciples are sanctified. They're made holy by the truth. Do you want to know what the truth really is? As United Methodists, we believe we will one day be truly sanctified by the work of God's grace in our lives. But we also believe that we must choose to seek sanctification through the Christian practices John Wesley saw Jesus and his disciples modeling in the scriptures. See how our poll came out. As an adult Christian in the 21st century, what do you, Pendleton Center Church, think about growing stronger and deeper in your faith? These are the results from this congregation. Now, we also asked the same question last night on Saturday. Can we get that total so far, Mr. Adrian? This is how it plays out. The way the people of our church see where they're at. Do you want to know what God wants you to do? Who God wants you to be? You've got to be getting into this process of sanctification and move on. We've got to cooperate with God and continue on in sanctification process all our lives. Our church here at Pendleton Center is changing. I'm guessing you've heard about that. Many of our brothers and sisters have been stuck in a rut and haven't really had a new experience with God in a long, long time. Others are wondering, what the heck I'm even talking about, because they haven't even had one truly deep encounter that let them know God is really there and God really loves them. Maybe there are some who are still kind of where Wesley was, before his Aldersgate experience, with some head knowledge, but no inward heart knowing. Wherever we're at, from the newest one to discover Christ to Pastor Tom, we all need to keep growing and changing, especially because the circumstances of our lives are going to keep changing. I had dinner last night, uh, Friday night, excuse me, with some Christian friends. And one of the men there had been in really bad physical shape. Very, very poor health. He was overweight, he needed bypass surgery, and it didn't look good. His doctors were not particularly optimistic. He and his wife found a doctor who promised that if he would radically change his eating habits, his health would radically change for the better. So he and his wife committed to try it together. Within six weeks, he had dropped 20 pounds. His cholesterol numbers had dramatically shifted. And get this, the medical examinations determined his body was repairing the damage to his arteries and he no longer needs surgery. Now, this couple and their church are also praying. They are believing that God is definitely involved in this miraculous healing. They believe that God directed them to this doctor. And they're trusting God for faith to persevere in doing what's necessary, not only to restore this man's health, but to bring him to a level of health he's never had before in his life. You know why most people start a new diet, um, who, who start a new diet or exercise plan ultimately fail? They don't have the support of other people who are trying to do the same thing. This is true of our spiritual life as well as of our physical lives. Christians need other Christians to regularly connect with and support one another in living our Christian lifestyle, which is supposed to be very different from the lives of the people around us. We need to be accountable to one another about the way we live as Christians and stop excusing our sin. Stop excusing where we conform to the pattern of the world where we know we're not supposed to. From John Wesley, the United Methodist Church has learned the value of small groups for nurturing faith. In a few weeks, we're going to start beginning to organize ways you adults can start connecting with other adults in the church and go deeper with God. For those of you already in some kind of a group, we're going to work on helping your group to be more on the same page with the rest of what the church is doing, but without changing your group's identity going to be a new way of nurturing for all of our adults. Please start praying about how God wants you to be involved. We need leaders and followers of all ages. We're moving into following Wesley's example by having people gather together in small groups on a regular basis to pray, to study, and to be friends together. By the way, When Wesley was doing this, he was totally following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we're trusting that the Holy Spirit is leading us, too. Wesley taught that Scripture was the first most important thing Christians need to base their faith on. Church tradition is next in importance, but only when it's based on Scripture. Do you believe something just because somebody tells you it's true? Wesley didn't either. He was convinced that to develop true faith, Christians need to use their God-given ability to reason and consider their experiences with God to understand what the scriptures mean, to understand why the church does what it does. Today, um, in the United Methodist Church, we call those four things, scripture, tradition, reasoning, and experience, we call them the Wesleyan Quadrilateral. Wesley didn't call them that. How well do you feel you know what the Bible actually teaches us? You've heard me say it before. If you haven't read and studied the Bible for yourself, the only thing you know about it is what somebody else has told you. What about church? Do you know why we do all the things we do here? If you're a Christian in the United Methodist Church, don't you think that would be a good idea? So when someone comes up to you and says, huh, what's a United Methodist? You can actually tell them what that means? Do you talk about your thoughts about the Bible and your experience of Christian faith with other Christians so you understand it better and you can share with other people your hope of salvation in Christ? Why? Why? You're a Christian. When Jesus sent his disciples out, he expected them to be able to do that. He expects it of disciples today, too. Oh, here's the kicker to the story about my friend. Ready? His doctor maintains that most of the sicknesses and diseases people are dealing with today can not only be managed but overcome if we would just make the choice to eat way differently than the culture of this world tells us is the way we should be eating. The majority of medical and pharmaceutical community, uh, those folks claim that things like heart disease and diabetes have to be managed by expensive medications and surgeries and treatments. But my friend is a testimony to the radical life-changing effects of radical lifestyle changes. This is a principle that's true of our spiritual lives, as well as our physical lives. Becoming a Christian by justifying grace yanks us out of the world and drops us into the kingdom of God in an instant. But to fully enter into the blessings of God requires a radical change of lifestyle in which our spiritual health becomes something beyond our imaginations. God calls Christians to take time to be holy so we grow in our faith to meet life's challenges, introduce people to Jesus Christ, and help them to grow in their Christian faith wherever they are. Amen. Lights us to the table. Jesus has made a way and we come to the table to meet with him. It's kind of like, you know, if you're familiar with the altar calls of other denominations, communion is kind of like the altar call Because you can come, whether you're a member of the church or not, you can come whether you have called yourself a Christian or not, but if you want to be a Christian today, if you want to deepen your discipleship with God today, you come to the table to receive from God, to receive all God has for you today. Everyone is welcome at the table in the United Methodist Church if you love God repent of your sin and seek to live in peace as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So let's pray and ask God to cleanse our hearts and prepare us to meet with him in this really wonderful way. Dear Heavenly Father, I have sinned. I am not the person you intend me to be. Yet you love me anyway. I still have so much growing to do. But I often neglect your word and time with those people who can help nurture my faith. Forgive me, Lord. I desire to draw closer to you. I desire to move on to the places you've called me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God loves you so much that before any of us even knew we were in need of a Savior, he sent Jesus. He had this plan from before the beginning of time. It's an amazing thing. And when we come and we receive Jesus into our hearts, when we renew our commitment to God, when we reject sin in all the forms it might come, we are forgiven. We can say to one another, in the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Glory to God. God. Amen. Let's sing. Let's celebrate. God is so good. the Lord, O oh my soul. be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Blessed are you, our Alpha and Omega, whose strong and loving arms encompass the universe. For with your eternal word and Holy Spirit, you are forever one God. Through your word, you created all things and called them good. And in you, We live and move and have our being. When we fell into sin, you did not desert us. You made covenant with your people Israel and spoke through prophets and teachers. In Jesus Christ, your word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is Jesus Christ who called you Abba, Father. As a mother tenderly gathers her children, you embraced a people as your own. Filled them with a longing for a peace that would last and for a justice that would never fail. In Jesus' suffering and death, you took upon yourself our sin and death and destroyed their power forever. You raised from the dead this same Jesus who now reigns with you in glory and poured upon us your Holy Spirit, making us the people of your new covenant. On the night before meeting with death, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks to you, and he broke the bread and gave it to his disciples He said, take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks to you. And he said, drink from this all of you. This is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts that in the breaking of this bread and the drinking of this wine, we may know the presence of the living Christ and be renewed as the body of Christ for the world, redeemed by Christ's blood. As the grain and grapes once dispersed in the field are now united on this table in bread and wine, so may we and all your people gather together from every time and place into the unity of your eternal household and feast at your table forever. Through Christ, with Christ, in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Shall we pray together the prayer Jesus taught us? Our Father, who art in heaven, Will those who are serving please come forward? Come, worship God. You'll be handed a piece of bread and you'll dip it in the cup, which contains juice, not fermented wine. And you're welcome to come to the rail for prayers, anointing with oil, and to light a candle to represent your prayer if you'd like. Come and meet with the Lord. He's waiting for you.
6: we invite
0: you to stand and sing. I am thine, O Lord.
1: You know that our dearly beloved Kathleen Maud is moving to Georgia officially Friday. Um, She's gonna and and I'm was so blessed that she was able to be here today to lead our prayers one more time. What a blessing! She's gonna be hanging out in the fellowship hall, having having some coffee. If you are um, wanting to take a moment and just say goodbye and and give her a hug, you're welcome to do that. She'll be there with you, and um, she will be in our prayers and i know we will be in hers as we go god calls us to move on to continue growing in god so that we can be the people ultimately perfected in love that he has called us to be that he has made us to be it's a process it's one we've got to keep going in we're not always going to be perfect but we keep pressing on amen I pray that you go in peace with the Holy Spirit in you, able to share wherever you go, able to rebuke sin, able to walk as God has called you to walk. Go in peace in Jesus' name.